Welcome to Cast fans. We're back. It's uh, still early, early January, but we're, we're back with a bit of a difference tonight. This is the Tiger Summit that you dubbed it, CB. Uh, CB, you're here again tonight. Welcome, mate. Yeah, good evening. How are you? I'm Going very excited well, about tonight. Yeah, no, it's very good. We've kept this one under wraps, so we're just going to be dropping it on people, uh, hopefully in a few hours' time once I get all the editing done. But Summercast, the premise is we're going to try and uh, interview some past players and just re-engage with the audience and hopefully we can hear from some of the, the Tiger guys and we're, we're kicking it off with a ripper tonight. He played 123 games, kicked 53 goals for the Tigers before finishing his, his Brisbane. He was the Jack Dyer medalist in 91. He wore the long sleeves with style, beautiful handball and a ball magnet, and he wore the number four. Craig Lambert, welcome to the show. Great to be here, guys. Uh, fairly excited. Heard, heard big, big things about the podcast, actually. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Don't go raising the bar too early. <laughs> It's funny, I was uh, just doing some Googling during the day and there legitimately got one picture of you laying in a short sleeve top. No, no, well, yeah, funny, like there, there, there might be one, I reckon it was a time that obviously, uh, I know probably some of the listeners of the sad time when obviously I left left the Tigers, um, but I played my first game for Brisbane in 94 and uh, a funny story actually because I used to love the longies um, and I wore the longies purely because I had really skinny white arms. There was not... I've heard all the theories why, why I wore long sleeves. And um, as you know, in Brisbane, when, when it's hot, um, well, I didn't know this, the worst thing I ever wish for is, is, is rain because it comes. So I'm, I'm there just praying for rain because it's so and it starts to get wet. I go out um, I played against uh, the Sydney Swans that game. Um, I think I had seven touches for the game. Darren Creswell didn't, he, he didn't even look at his tag me the whole game. Uh, I wore long sleeve and I lost four kilo the game. And... Uh, from that day on, I said, I'll never, ever wear a long sleeve again at the Gabba. So uh, everywhere else, I wear the longie, but at the Gabba, it just, uh, I couldn't get a kick, and also too much weight. So there you go. Got, how do you pull up a kilo? Like, hey, next day, holy cow. Well, the hardest thing was because, because obviously, and we touch on how I got to, to Brisbane, um, but because there was a lot of expectation um, through that trade period, uh, when one of the one of the uh, star recruits only has seven touches, lucky we won, Um you're probably the, not the most liked person in the change room. So uh, I had all the daggers looking at me. I was just fortunate that I, I became really good friends with uh, Magic McLean, who was, a, who was a captain, one of the best human beings I've met in foot. And he was a guy that grabbed me after the game and kind of said, Lambo, no, it wasn't your day today, but let's go and have a beer. That was back in the good old days when you could have five or six years after it. And, um, and then when we played uh, St. Kilda the game and uh, I played okay. So after losing four kilo, you hide it appropriately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was only probably only, probably only at eight or nine actually, so I was, got it back pretty quick, and then a couple of Big Macs actually. Yeah. Ah, oh, fantastic. So what are you up to these days, mate? You've obviously been out of, out of the game itself for a while, but you worked at some various and, and whatnot. So what are you up to these days? Yeah, I work for a, a company called Upstream Solutions, um, and we're a subsidiary of uh, Fuji Xerox. So. Uh, Basically, what we do, we, we sell, sell managed print, um, but that's only about 30% of our business, 70% of our business. Um, just looking at where uh, a lot of businesses are still really manual with their um, processes in regards to like accounts payable, HR onboarding, anything where um, it's a lot of it's paper um, processed. We look to digitalize that, uh, automate it. So there's less touch points, um, so your business can become a lot more efficient, productive, and these days a lot more compliant. So um, obviously with COVID, it's been terrible for a lot of businesses, but 
um, our technology allows you to do your, all your um, accounts payable and anything that's uh, paper printed um, remote farm. As I saw off uh, off air, it's been a pretty hard year for a lot of people. Um, but I, I think with uh, with what happened with COVID, it's probably it's fast tracked people's mentality in regards to where digitalisation and software and technology can can help businesses. Yeah, absolutely. Now. Let's get to the sexy stuff, Craig. Let's get yeah, to the sexy yeah. stuff. I knew this right? was coming. Yep, yep. <laughs> so let's go back and take a journey in time. So just for our listeners out there, where did you start off? Who was your junior footy club? Yep. And was actually footy your passion or was there other sports that you played as a junior? Yeah, well, I started um, as a, a pretty chubby uh, uh, five-year-old and I started my career at um, North Dandenong um, Junior Football Club uh, I was a Danong boy. I had my brother, who was four years older than me, so he, um, he his name's Mark. So I started at North Dandy when I was about five for the for the midgets um, and played there until uh, till the under I think under 15s. I left North Danong and we were able to win a couple of um, premierships, which were nice. Uh, I actually went to Danong Tech. Um, my two my two passions were were football and basketball. Um, I, I love basketball. The only only problem I had was that I had a terrible jump shot. So um, I actually had I you know whether the viewers or you guys remember Bruce Palmer. Um, he was yeah. a legendary North Melbourne Giants coach, and uh, he was our PE teacher. And him and I struck a really good relationship. And he actually wanted me to come down and um, try out for the North Melbourne Giants because I was a good ball handler, good passer, and all that, but always had a terrible jump shot. Uh, and he really was a great sort of mentor for me as a, as a 15, 16 year old going through the, uh, you know, I mean, our school, Danny Tech was a good school, but I'm like most schools back then, there was probably good and bad, but he, he just got, he kept me really focused on sport. Um, in the end, he knew that my passion was probably, um, football. Um, so he guided me to that, but he was a great mentor, but if, but at, at age 16, 17, there, there was nothing between both basketball and football. Except, except, except a bad jump shot, I suppose. <laughs> Basketball's always been one of those few sports I can't play. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I was just a big unit. Just put me under the ring and I could sort of throw the body around a That's bit. That's all right. But... That, that works. <laughs> it works for me. It's about all I can do. Now, so, so you go through your junior career through through Danny Nong and that, and you end up being you end up at the under-19s with Sydney. Yeah. So I just want to know, so how young were you at the time when you end up, up in Sydney? And how does a young fellow from Dandenong end up north at that stage? Well, it's sort of like, um, I mean, it was trial by error, really. I mean, I was, I was, I mean, I tried out for Teal Cup and, and didn't make it. Um, uh, I remember Slug Jordan said I was too slow. Um, not going not gonna to make it as a, as a 15, 16-year-old. I tried out at, um, uh, at Footscray, which is Western Bulldogs under-19s, and uh, they trialled me for about two, three weeks in regards to um, – uh, their pre-season and just said, no, nah, we probably don't like the look of you, you're not going to make it. Uh, and then I, I sort of, I, I went to um, uh, my brother's uh, best mate. He's, his uh, uncle was a, was a recruiter for, uh, for South Melbourne. And uh, my brother, who what, I'm, I'm 16, so my brother's 20, he's doing some lobbying for, for his younger brother. And uh, he gets me a gig down in, in um, South Melbourne. Uh, where Lakeside Oval, um, I mean, I, I reckon I was 16, maybe turning 17, playing against under-19s. My first game was against Richmond Footy Club, and uh, they beat us by 160 points. So I played half-forward flank. Jeff Hogg, one of my great mates, played 
halfback flank. I, I reckon I touched the ball three times. I wouldn't know what colour it was. Um, and and just the, the, the sheer size of – I think Richmond won it that year. I, mean, I think it was 85. Richmond won the under-19 flag. Um, and I played about seven games. And I remember the coach, his name was Dennis Clark. He, come from, he played at Melbourne. He really nice fellow. He was tough. Um, we used to have some brutal training sessions, uh, and he just he just grabbed me and he said he said Lambo. He said I, I think in time you're going to be a really good player if you persist. You're just too small um, at this stage. You, you... So I went back and played uh, for Dandong in the VFA um, under 19s. In the last probably I don't know last eight rounds, I got a chance to play some reserves footy, then some senior footy, and went okay. Um, so that was at 17, and then the following year, uh, there was no clubs really looking to add me, or there was no one ringing me up. So I had a chat with um, the one of the Mick Hawkins, who uh, was a legendary, uh, I think Mickey player for Oakley. I think he was uh, VFA player, great coach, um, really good mentor of mine uh, over a long period of time. But I just asked him what was the benefits of playing a senior year. Uh, with uh, Dan on VFA, Red Legs, um, instead yep. of going and playing out of 19s with, with kids and all that. Um, and, he, and he sort of just talked me around. He sort of said, I reckon if you can sort of get, if you can play well in that – and it was second division, it wasn't first division, but you're still playing against some men. So I played that year and um, I, think, I think I had a really good year. I think it come second in the BNF. And you know, for, for a 17, 18-year-old – Playing against men, and back in the back then, the VFA was pretty tough. So if you get a kick, you sort of you, you you always you always know about it, and um, and that was where that set me up in regards to the opportunity of getting a gig at the under 19s and connecting with the great Doug Searle, who uh, convinced me if I didn't learn how how to become a great handballer, uh, I might have a pretty short career. So how did that initial, I suppose, contact come about with Richmond? Were they sort of watching these VFA games and scouted you out? Yeah, well, I believe it was um, that they were watching the VFA games, and I got a call from um, from Richmond Footy Club. I can't remember who it was. Who was the footy manager back then? And um, I rocked up, uh, you know, and that was nineteen eighty seven, um, and that was when you know I became a great mate with Tony Free and you know Trent Nichols and and all those guys, you know, that, that sort of played through there. And um, you know, it was just it was incredible. I remember I was an eighteen year old again playing at my proper age group and I'd but I'd played the year before against some really good players in the VFA and, and they really test you as you know um if you're a kid and I got there and, and Doug Searle I, I I've just got to take my hat off to the guy he was um he was the one I mean I always did handball as, as, as a junior but not as not as dominant as what I did when I started to make the grade in, in 88 and he he took me aside um in 87 I think around four round five where we um and he just said listen Craig he said you're probably one of the best um, ball getters I've ever coached in my life, he said. But he said, unless you can learn how to distribute the footy um, to guys like uh, Trent Nichols and these other guys who had great legs, he said, you'll be you'll be a good player, but you won't be the player you should be. So I, I worked on that craft pretty hard, and we made the grand final that year against North Melbourne, and we got beat by about four or five points, I think, in the end. So uh, it all stemmed from there. Is that the one on YouTube with the big fight? Yeah, I think it might be, actually. Yeah, yeah I think it might be. <laughs> I would, have been throw, I would have been throwing them like Alistair Lynch, you know, just missing everything. <laughs> <laughs> so you get to 90, uh, 1988 and you've got uh, Kevin Bartlett at the helm. How different was the pre-season under him compared to your under-19s? What were the recollections and uh, what were all the differences like? 
was sort of like a, the, the journey, the journey even, even like to the under-19s was incredible, you know, like, I mean, we had such a great side, um, went so close to winning a premiership and um, a lot of, a lot of my teammates were getting um, chances to play uh, reserves footy during that 87 year, which, which I, I couldn't get a chance there. And um, so I thought, I mean, I was lucky that year. I, I said I won the BNF that year, which was which was which was nice because sort of you start to get a little bit of confidence, starting to play a bit more where you're using your hands um, to my style, thanks to Doug Serlin. And I really couldn't crack into the uh, the the senior side. Um, and it was it, I don't know, you know, it, it's back then it was all on, you know, we we had Kevin Bartlett who was a senior coach, we had Emmett Dunn who's and Emmett Dunn and I are really good mates now and all that. But Emmett was our reserves coach. And Emmett probably thought that I was a tad slow. Um, and we've had this conversation um, probably three or four times. And I, I just really couldn't get a crack through that um, 88 preseason. We had so many trial matches. And um, and I was always like maybe back then you had no list size, right? So you could have 20 on the bench in the reserves. And I, and I was always one of the last three or four getting a chance in reserves footy where some of my teammates were actually playing the seniors. And I... I end up really nearly giving it the flick, to tell you the truth. I just thought, well, if you're not going to give me a go, um, I might as well go back to Dandenong. Uh, and I didn't know this, but it, we, there was about two trial matches to go um, before we played Melbourne round one, 1988. But Doug Searle um, had gone up to Kevin Bartlett and said to KB, he said, listen, if, if, if you don't give this kid a chance in, through the reserves – um, I'm going to walk as the under-19s coach. Now, I didn't know that until wow. later on. Um, and I got a chance in the uh, in the second-last trial match. We played Collingwood, I think, at La Trobe. And I had the great General Lee, Mark Lee, coming back from injury as our ruckman. Imagine that. And it was like silver service for, for four quarters down my throat. It was like, well, I thought, how easy is this? And um, had, a really, <laughs> had a really good game, as you will with Mark Lee playing twos. Um, and... And KB saw that game, um, and KB rang me. I think on the Sunday night. He said, oh, "I said, well, I really liked your game on the weekend." He said, "I wouldn't mind playing you against um, Footscray at Western Oval, uh, our last match before round one." And I, I literally was, I was in shock. I just thought, "This one, I can't believe KB's rang me up. Um, don't know how he got me number." Um, <laughs> and and secondly, I'm, I'm playing senior footy, and uh, I remember. You know, as, you, as you're lucky enough to play a bit of footy and and learn that probably you know we all know that that last round of um, the preseason, most guys, especially senior players, aren't going that hard, are they? Because they just want to be right for round one. But but here's yeah. the, uh, the here's a 19 year old from Dandenong who's um, hanging on by a thread. I, I don't know that, and I go out and played, and um, I think I did about 40 times, um, <laughs> and and played really well, and. Uh, I remember there, it was a Saturday, the Sunday I was, I suppose I can say, it, I was just having a couple of, two, two or three beers on a Sunday with a couple of my dandy mates thinking, uh, well, I'm probably no chance. I might be able to hang on for a reserve spot. Um, and I get a call from uh, KB and he says, uh, Craig, he said, loved your game yesterday. Um, there's a list uh, coming out the Herald Sun um, tomorrow. Um, there's a list of 50 players on that list. He said, you you won't be on that list, um, but don't panic. You're on our list, the proper list, and you'll be playing your first game against Melbourne on Saturday against uh, in round one. So that that's was right. And that's that's what takes you to the next thing. So I'm going to set the scene here, Craig. So <laughs> okay. I'm going to talk about 80, 88, and I'm going, to, um, I'm going to pick three games 
and yep. I'll get you to talk us through them. So, so the first one is round one, nineteen eighty-eight, Monday, April four versus Melbourne. The debut game. This I've checked out the stats here. Thirty-five thousand people are there, yep. and I, I tried to get a starting lineup, but I couldn't find it. But I reckon Johnny Manton, Bomber James, Michael Pickering, Flea, Mitchell, Roach, Hogg, McKellar, to name a few, they would have been playing with you. So yep. what do you remember about the lead-up and the game itself? And can you actually tell us what your starting number was? Uh, my starting number was uh, 53 uh, for any of the Tigers who uh, – they always put me down as number four. But uh, as you could tell, I, I wasn't rated too highly early on with number 53. Uh, and hey, I'll, we're, tell you, we're... I'll tell you the story how I got the number four, which is quite funny actually. But, um, but my first number was 53. And I, I think I played in that jumper for at least seven or eight games um, against Melbourne – the recollection, really, it's sort of like it's a bit of a blur because, you know, you've gone probably from four weeks before that thinking you're going back to playing VFA to rocking up and playing with guys like Dale Wapen and these absolute superstars. And, you know, I remember, I remember just the speed of the game. Um, early on, I, I remember I had a really good a really good sort of track for the footy you know, and ground level ball was one of my strengths and all that. And I, I remember I could see that I was going to get there before Rod Grinter. And I'm thinking, well, if I brace myself right here, I should be okay. And I remember him hitting me, and I and I swear it was like every bone in my body just shattered. I, I just <laughs> I just couldn't believe the just the intensity and the size and the power of these athletes and all that. And um, as the game went on, I mean, I remember the late Jimmy Steins, who was a superstar. I mean, he was just putting it down, Greg Healy's throat and all that. And they they end up beating us. Uh, I think they beat us by about seven or eight goals. But I remember I did some really good things around the wing and were able to get out of travel and, and set up some really good play. And I might have, I, I think I might have got 13, 14 touches for the game. But just the speed and the, and the power and, and the brutal strength of the game was just uh, was was incredible, really. That's great. Now, so you got rolled round, round one, two, three, and four. You lose. Yeah. But we get to round five. What a reminder. That's good. That's good nah, of you, Stevie. Mate, <laughs> people excuse me not researching, but I research, man. <laughs> but but round five, you finally get there and you get your first senior win versus Fitzroy. Now, I want you to be honest with you, mate. How hard did you and the boys celebrate that? <laughs> well, well, mate, we probably would have celebrated well on the Sunday. I mean, like, I mean, back back then it was like, um, if you come off the game, okay. Uh, it was all bets off, and you'd sort of you you you'd drink the whenever the tunnel closed. When did the tunnel close? By about seven o'clock. You finish up about seven o'clock, and um, it's, you get the cab home, and you probably wake up about one o'clock. And first thing you do is go to KFC, and that gets you back. And then just lie and watch watch a bit of watch something on the on the on the telly and all that. And then I was actually my 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 first year of league footy. I I finished my um my fourth year of my plumbing apprenticeship actually. So I'd have to, on a Monday I'd go and dig holes Monday to Friday digging holes and and get ready for the next game. So um. But we yeah we celebrated pretty hard, um, and I think I might have been on. I think Jimmy Wynn was, was playing on me that game. I think if I can remember, it's a. I've had a few concussions, so the, the memory's not as good as what it used to be. <laughs> yeah, he was a hard footballer, Jimmy Wynn, wasn't he? He was a hard mongrel. He was tough. Yeah, he was. He was yeah, one yeah. that sort of you had to earn every every kick on him. He was a ripper. So um, yeah, no. Uh, but I, I had some. As I said, you mentioned before. I mean, I Dale Waitman who one of the greatest players I've ever played with, just always in my ear and all that, just sort of give me a little bit of advice. The only, the only problem with Flea was his advice. Uh, what probably wasn't um, probably wasn't pertinent to Craig Lambert because all, I'd say, mate, I'm starting to get tagged a little bit, Flea. You know, they're just hanging on. He goes, mate, it's simple, mate. Just punch him straight in the nose. Whack, just whack him. 
And I said, mate, I said, you, I said, you can't punch them, please. Mate, if they hold you, you're allowed to punch them. So uh, I didn't do that for a couple of years, but I weren't probably in my third, fourth year. If I didn't whack them, punch them, I tell you what, you're, you're going to have a dirty day. So you had, you had to learn to sort of give them one. Absolutely. And, and the final game I want to bring up in your debut year, yep. or round 12, the Tigers are three and nine. But all of a sudden in round 12, you clip Carlton. With Flea doing what he does best, and Hoggy getting on the end of a few, and Chris Pym slots three. For the viewers out there, how good is it beating Carlton? Well, it's great beating Carlton, but I actually I was a Carlton supporter. So, uh, <laughs> so it was uh, so growing up, I, I was uh, mate, I was fanatical. I mean, my brother and I used to go to Princess Park every 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 home game with my dad and all that. So, uh, but to beat, obviously, I mean, any win, I suppose, in your first year, and obviously. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was a footy tragic, so I mean, I, I might have buried for Carlton, but I mean, I, I watch every game I could watch. So you knew Richmond was sort of was struggling through that period. So you get to a club and you and you sort of become a part of the culture of that footy club. And anyone who's lucky enough to put a put a Richmond jumper on and walk through Punt Road and see some of the great sides, you know, of the seventies and eighties and all that. You, you automatically become a part of that sort of culture. And um, to, so to win a game, especially against one of your R12s like Carlton, I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I learned to hate Carlton pretty quick when Wayne Johnson tried to whack me that game. So um, so uh, it, was, it was a short love affair once I started playing league footy with Carlton Footy Club. To be, to be fair, the dominator did clip a few blokes. <laughs> yeah, he didn't miss, miss many. <laughs> so the first season, your first season winds up. We finished tenth with eight wins, fourteen losses, which was a, a vast improvement from the year before when we won the wooden spoon. Was there a sense of optimism around the playing group and the club for the future? Yeah, there was. It was sort of like because there was a few of us young blokes had come through the system and all that. Obviously, we some legends like Jimmy Jess and Michael Roach and you know and Flea and General and all that, and who were all you know were all sort of coming to the the latter part of their careers. But there was a sense of sort of some good kids coming through that sort of that, that could elevate, you know, obviously Hoggy and even Alan McCallum was probably a year or two older than me, but it was, um, there was a sense of that sort of like, if we can stick together, you know, anything's possible. So um, it definitely that year was sort of, you could sense through the club and all that, as I said, I'd only been there under 19s the year before and the under 19s back, back in those days, they didn't really interact much with the senior players at all, but there was a, a lot of positivity and, um, and we were starting to build some really great relationships, and you can see how how important relationships and culture is by uh, what, what the Tigers have done over the last four years. And then '89 comes along, and it turns out to be a bit of a bittersweet year. Personally, you had a great season, finishing runner-up in the Jack Dye Medal in your second season, but the team went backwards and won another a wooden spoon. Unfortunately, what happened in your eyes? Yeah, it's sort of funny one '89. It's sort of because it's so so long ago, and. Um, but I remember 89, probably a year for me where, you know, I sort of, I probably started to believe that I, I belonged. I mean, the first year, you're really just hanging on. You just, um, obviously, I, I played some some reasonable footy in that first year in, in 88, but you still don't know whether you're good enough. And uh, I think 89, I started to think, you know, like if I don't get happy with myself and I keep keep the work up, um, you know, hopefully w- without any injuries, I can, I can I can make a career out of this. And, and I'm not sure what was in the minds of any of the other younger players that were coming through. But it didn't gel like it did in '88, um, and that's why you know a lot of people will talk to you about the second year blues and all that. And as I said, without looking at the stats and how players played from '88 to '89, it's hard to sort of recollect what happened because we we were a tight um, group. Um, you know, we obviously you know that we had that good reasonable year in '88, but you know that 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 um that ability to never be comfortable. Um, I, I, I always thought when I got to Richmond. 
you know, and obviously I've been around some some pretty successful teams and, and coached you know, the Brisbane Lions through th- the three-peat and all that. But you know, I just think that, you know, maybe we, we might have thought as, as a collective, and this is all of us, um, that maybe it was just going to flow on. It was just going to happen. And any footballer um, at any level, if you, if you think that you can stand still and just do what you did the year before, it's the old saying that you'll always be overtaken. So maybe maybe looking back that we, we, we maybe didn't work hard enough um, collectively and, um, you know, that's why I love the game of footy. You know, if you don't do the work, it has, a, has an amazing way of biting you on the ass. And the other, I suppose, big award for you in 1989 was your first State of Origin jumper, which was one of four, mind you, which is a fantastic effort, representing the Big V. As a second-year player, what was that feeling like to, to get that honour? I mean, that, I mean, we don't get that chance now to see the players running around, but back then, that, that would have been huge. Oh, it was incredible. I mean, I, I think I spoke to you early on. I, I, didn't, I didn't make Teal Cup. I mean, I... I was a, I was a pretty good junior, but I just you know back then there was always you know is he quick enough you know does he kick it well enough there, there was always some slows on me and be able to to get an opportunity to play for your state you know like to, to be able to you know to be able to play with some of the superstars of the competition um, you know like and it was against Western Australia and, and my mum um, I lost my dad um, after my first year of uh, in '88 actually he died of an aneurysm um, so that so he was unfortunate he saw my first year which uh, you know was it, I mean I it's it's if he hadn't saw my first year it would have been really hard because he lived for one of his boys or both of his boys to, to play AFL footy and. Um, I never forget this proud Carlton person when I I think I come fourth in the BNF in in the first year. And I've never seen a person more prouder of his boy who'd played league footy and all that. And unfortunately, a month or two later, he he passed uh, of, of an aneurysm. But so my mum was in the crowd, and uh, you know, and I'm and I remember sitting on the bench. Um, and, you, and we play at the Wacker. If you want, if you want to play, if 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 the if the slows on you that you're a little bit slow. Um, coming into AFL footy, if there's one track you don't want to play on, it's a wacker. It's the quickest track you've ever seen. And I remember sitting there with uh, Buddha Hocking. I think it was his first state game as well. And, you know, you've watched it as a kid since the age of 10 and you're thinking – I used to, I used to say state, state footy was like getting the fast forward um, on your remote, just pressing fast forward. It was that quick, right? So we're watching it there and I say to Buddha, I said, mate, it's quick, but it doesn't look as quick as what I thought what, thought, what I thought of it. I said, I, I, and he goes, yeah, no, no, you're right, Lambo. So I get on. I think I got on about the 15-minute mark. And the great Simon Madden, you know, the, probably one of the greatest ruckmen, if not the greatest ruckman of all times, he just says, Lambo, I want you to get to that spot. Centre bounce, get to that spot. He said, and be, be ready because I promise you I'll get it. I'll put it down your throat. So people forget this one. Um, is that like the first touch for Craig Lambert was – the ball wasn't bounced that well, and I thought Simon. I thought Simon had no chance of getting it to where I thought I had to be. So I, I, I did what he asked, being the the rookie. I, I went to the spot, but my hands weren't raised where you should be, ready to sort of pluck pluck it off hands. Because I thought there's no chance. I was ready to sort of take off and spread from spread from the contest. Well, little did I know that Simon got his hand and it put straight down, hit me straight on the head. So my first touch in State <laughs> Footy was a falcon. <laughs> if you want to go back to 1989, you'll see the first touch for Craig Lamb in State Footy for Victoria was a falcon. So um, I was lucky enough. I got a goal later on. I got a cheap goal where Flea gave me a pass when he was 30 metres out. That was good. But it was, honestly, to answer the question, to, to, to play State Footy, honestly, when, you, when you've missed out as a, as a junior um, and you get to play it at top grade, um, it was insane, really. I just couldn't believe what was happening. That's fantastic. And so, so we get to sort of um, the pre-season of 1990 and basically disaster strikes. Club president Neville Crow launches the Save Our Skin campaign 
Now, rather than us talk, us, us hosts talk about it, can you tell us what it was like to be confronted by that? Because as a 16-year-old supporter and kid, it was horrific that the thought that my team could actually go. What did you know about the club situation at the time? How did you help off-field? Um, like, I know, for example, there's famous footage where the players, I believe, played for no wage at the SCG, for example. Yep. Um, so, yeah. No, I sort of like, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I really... I'm, I'm, you, you remember it vividly because obviously you, you're thinking, surely this can't help happen. You're thinking every club is secure, and mate, as a, as a as a as a kid growing up, you just think you just think VFL, AFL clubs are unbreakable. They're going to be there forever. So, so when it all, and especially a club of the stature of Richmond Football Club of what they what they achieve. But obviously, we we heard it, we read the news, and um, you know, we had people talking to us all the time. But I think. I think probably I mean I'm only 21 at that age and I, and I and I still I mean I was pretty I was one of those um, athletes I was I was really single-minded in regards to I mean some of some of the most stressful times in my life uh, the best time I've ever had is probably just being able to play footy because you can actually just sort of um, you can release yourself from all what's going on and and although it was it was pretty grave and and I, and I imagine you know if you if you talk to a lot of you know Kevin Bartlett and a few of those guys who were around. It was close to that club um, being extinct, but as a, as a player, I remember being in it. But I remember just saying, "Well, my, my only what I can do to help this footy club is play good footy." Um, and and I probably, you know, as I said, I didn't I didn't learn that until a bit later on. Until I I probably got around someone like a Lee Matthews, you know, who who talks about you know you know you, what your contribution is to the to, to the club in regards to how you can make the club better, but. But it was it was a testing time, and you know there's so many Maxi, you know, so you talk about Neville Crow, sorry, um, and you talk about some of some of the great Richmond people that sort of that that sort of stood up for the footy club, and again the Tiger Army. I mean, they just they just they are without doubt the greatest supporters of all time because they were the ones who dug deep. Um, obviously, our club wasn't going really well at that time, and with it, we've seen it this year. You know, sorry, last year with COVID. I mean, without supporters. You don't have a game, so um, you know that, I feel pretty privileged that obviously the club got through that period now, through back and through '90. Um, you know, started to build a little bit through the mid '90s and all that, and then you see what's happened over the last four years. It's um, it's a great story, but the one thing you always have is uh, the great Tiger Army. That's uh, they always, they uh, they always they're always there when you when you need them. Absolutely. So, in spite of all that, we actually drag ourselves off the bottom of the ladder. And we finished eleventh with a seven and fifteen season. So, how did you rate your year that year? So, you've sort of knuckled down and you've, you've tried to control what you can control. Yep. So, how did you rate your season and what were your highlights in nineteen ninety? Now, nineteen ninety was just a, it was a year where it was just an average year for me. Like it was, um, it was it was a good year for for the club. Uh, I mean, I was a you, know, you, you sort of you, you never try and look for excuses and all, but I. I was a massive overtrainer. I, if you, whatever the program they told me to do, I'd be doing twice as much. Um, and I remember, I remember those first couple of years where obviously, you know, 88, 89. I mean, I remember like we used to have Tuesdays and Thursdays off, and I used to run with a um, uh, a runner called Michael Owen, who used to, he was our, um, he played, he played for Port, um, he was our, a runner at Richmond under 19s, and he's a legend for. Um, for Port Melbourne, and he was a, he was a professional runner. So we would go to Caulfield Racetrack, and we would clock up. No, I'm not lying. We would clock up probably uh, anywhere from 18 to 20 k's on a Tuesday and a Thursday as as extra training. And 
and a third of that would be in the in the sand track, you know, the, the inside track where you'd sort of you'd, you'd stride for 200 meters, and then you'd sort of do like a light walk, then you'd stride yeah. for another 200. Meters. And I remember, I remember that it was that I reckon 90 was a year where, at the end of it, I got a double hernia um, surgery, um, and you know, everyone talks about um, OP and all that, but I just I felt really I felt really sluggish in regards to that speed to get out after the ball that first five meters, which which is, I mean I know people said I was slow, but I, my first five was pretty quick. So when I look back on that year, which wasn't good for me, I look back at thinking, you know, no one had ever heard of OP, but um, just that ability to get out after the footy, um, the power had gone. So I went and got uh, surgery done, and um, and I felt better in '91. Yeah, well, we, so you get to pre-season '91. Yep. And we're starting to see a new guard start to come through, like to come into the club. So you got players like uh, Knights, yep. Bannock, Campbell, Gale, Free, Nichols, Naish, uh, Barry Young, um, Stewie Maxfield, guys like that. They're starting to start their careers up. What did you notice about those kids coming through at the time? Well, I mean, like, like they just, you know, obviously Knights, Knighter, who's a great mate of mine, Knighter just had great time and space. You know, the, the, the real great players have 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 time and space. I mean, Stewie Maxwell, you look at him, he was just a, you know, just a tackling running machine. Um, you know, Benny Gale was a lot better. I, I know he's a good player, a very good player, but I, I think, I think he was underrated. Benny, he could always go into the ruck and all that. Um, you know, we had Tony Free, you know, we, we had so many players. I think there was some hope for, for, for the Richmond supporters that we were starting to get a squad that could possibly sort of, you know, Wayne Campbell's, you could see he was going to be be, be an absolute gun, just the way he moved around the footy field and all that. So I just think that as a Richmond supporter, as, as, a, as a player, you would probably think like, you know, the, the evidence is there now. We've probably got eight to 10, anywhere from 18 to 22-year-olds look, look like they can make the grade. Um, and you still probably had Flea and Michael Pickerings and some of these, you know, guys still playing through their 30s. So it was, it was exciting because... You know, like when when you when you win a game and you play for the Richmond Football Club, I mean, the roar is just insane, especially at the MCG. So, um, you know, to be able to sort of come through at that time, and um, you know, obviously I was I was lucky enough to sort of play have a better year than what I did through '90. Um, you know, and then you're forming really good relationships with Knights and Freeze and some of them and Gale and all that in regards to combinations on where they run, where they. So you, you know, every great side, and you look at it now and over the last 30 years. They, they, they've played for a long time together, so they know where people are run. It's like just poetry in motion. I, I felt 91, we were starting to sort of get that at the club. Yeah, and and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk through a couple of little quick games, but then I'm going to get to one real, real big game that you're going to talk us through. And yeah. it's something that we dined off on for years, right? <laughs> so season 91, it's arguably your, arguably your best season for the club. You rack up 31 versus Hawthorne in a round three loss. 39 touches versus the Dogs in round seven. Yep. And then something happens a week later. Now, for all you young Gen Y Tigers and millennials, etc., this next game is in Richmond folklore. <laughs> I'm going to set the scene for you. It's round eight, Mother's Day. Yep. Richmond is currently sitting on one win, five losses up against the reigning Premier, Lee Matthews Collingwood. Now, Craig, talk us through the day you racked up 36 and the great Jeff Hogg slotted 10. That's right. Ten sausage rolls in the Mother's Day massacre. Well, I'm glad glad you brought that up because actually, um, I, I always say it was it was one of the best it was one of the best victories I've ever been involved with because of those circumstances you spoke and and before Christmas they had it on um, they had it on uh, Fox actually and um, 
I've, I've got three boys, so I made sure they watched it actually, just to, just to make sure that because they tell me that I couldn't kick and I couldn't do this, and in the modern game, Dad, you wouldn't get you wouldn't get a touch. It's, that's what they tell me anyway. So, uh, but it was just a. I remember it was like uh, it was a game where no one gave us a chance. Um, but again, we we I suppose I would think, and you know, it'd be great to talk to Flea and some of the some of the older guys. Um, how they felt. I remember David Cloak. I mean, Cloak, had a fantastic game, that game. Um, you know, and uh, it would be interesting to, to get their thoughts on whether they actually got confidence because they could see some some younger talent coming through that not only had talent, but they really, they wanted, they had a thirst and an appetite to become great players and make Richmond great again. Um, but, you know, we, we just, I think we were down early in that game, if I remember. We, we weren't down a lot, but I think we were down by two or three goals. And then, then all of a sudden it just clicked, and um, and then our run, and our spread, and, and and our youth just got a hold of them. And uh, and I remember there was, you know, I think there was a play where I think I kicked the flea, I broke through the middle, I kicked the ball, I saw flea as on the half forward, and, and flea drilled it as, as he normally did because he never missed. But it was just, I'll never forget running over to the the Tiger Army once we won and all that, and just the smiles on their faces beating Collingwood. Um, you know, it was it was it was a game that you know I don't I played 219 games, but it's probably one of five that I can remember like it was yesterday, and it was um it was a great great day for the club. That was an awesome day. I tell you, as a supporter, Craig, thank you. That was a, <laughs> rip, a seriously ripping day. Yeah, uh, so we finished 13th that year with seven and 15. Uh, unfortunately, this saw the demise and a very messy departure of head coach Kevin Bartlett. What was your relationship like with KB, and, and how did the departure impact you in the playing group? I had, a, I had a great relationship with KB. I mean, he he gave me everything really. He gave me an opportunity. Um, he backed me in. Um, you know, I just you know I can't thank him enough to tell you the truth in regards to you know like you, you, we've spoken about it during the podcast. But you know, you can have talent. You know, but if you don't have someone who believes in you, um, there's a lot of players who can fall through the cracks. And, and KB gave me that confidence and um, it was really sad to see him go. I mean, I, I still have a great relationship with him. I just think he, if I, I've probably got five people, you know, in my life that I can, I can thank for playing league footy and, and KB is one of them. And um, I mean, it shook, I, I have no doubt it would have shaken a, a lot of the younger guys because um, KB was really adamant that if you, you know, if you had a crack, if you did the work, um, obviously you had to be able to, play well on the weekends um you had to have the talent but if you did the work and he could put up with a few mistakes and all that if you're having a crack and um so he gave a lot of us young guys an opportunity to grow where you know in, in other teams that probably were winning more we we would have to play more reserves footy um and we and we knew that um so that was tough on a personal note for me and and it got really me- and the way it just got really messy with you know you know, you had you had administrators wanted to, wanted to try and play, and you had players who wanted to administrate, and and you see it you see it most years with some club they where they just they lose everything where a legend of the of the club is gone. Um, where really you've just got to stick to what you do best, and, and as a playing group, what we had to do is play our part, and as an administration group, we had to sort of trust the administration group to you know obviously you, you're letting go a legend of our football club um, and they're in charge to do that. Do you know what I mean? And, and I don't, I can have my view to say, I don't think it was the right um, move um, because of my relationship with KB. But I think where, where the two entities, where the playing group and the administration started to do, so try and tell people how to do their jobs, that's when clubs can get into trouble. And um, I think that's what happened um, with, when KB left. 
And then in 92, new coach Alan Jeans jumps on board. What was the difference in pre-season like and what were your expectations? Well, pre-season was um, sort of like, I think with pre-season, we did, we did a lot more longer running with uh, with Yabby. Um, Jeans, he was a bit different. He was sort of like, um, you know, he's quite intimidating, um, Yabby. He said, oh, I, I didn't have a good year. under. I think that was 92, was it? I, I sort of, yeah, um, obviously... Obviously, yeah, it's sort of funny. Like he, he come from Hawthorne, what, and what what he did in the game was astonishing. I mean, one of the greatest coaches of all times. And he just, um, I remember that year for myself personally. He wanted me to play, wanted me to play more like John Platten. Um, so I had to run, you know, forty meters to receive handballs and all that. And and and, and that was right in, in the period when Flea was coming to the end, and I was copping the hardest tag every week. And and I used to sort of say to Yabby respectfully, I said like, I don't mean to be rude, Yab, but yeah, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I've got a guy hanging off me. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not blistering speed. I don't know how I can play like Johnny Platten where I run 40 meters and receive a handball and all that. I mean, my greatest strength is around the contest to be able to win the ball and con- and that that didn't go down too well. Um, to, uh, you know, talking to a legendary coach in regards to um, my thoughts and how I get the best out of me. So. That year for me was it was a tough year, um, tough year because I was trying to learn a different style of playing. Um, obviously, to have Yabby there, I mean, it was exciting because in a way, you know, what he did at Hawthorne was, was exceptional and all that. But I had the same thing where you, know, you had to let go of a guy of Kevin Bartlett's statue of the footy club, who literally I believe, you know, without him and a Doug Searle, I probably don't get my chance. So um, yeah. it was it was it was a year where I, I didn't. I didn't play as well as what I would like. Um, I didn't handle it as well as what I would like. I probably handled it probably a little bit immature in regards to, you know, as you get a bit older, you learn to sort of be able to compartmentalise a little bit better. Um, but that's what I remember that year. Yeah, well, it's funny you say you had a down year, but you still racked up some big numbers, actually. So you still racked up 39 versus Melbourne in round four, 31 yeah. versus Adelaide in five. Uh, 34 versus the Saints in 14, and 28 in round 21 versus West Coast Eagles. And you still, uh, I think you still had uh, state, you got state selection that year as well. So you still, you still had a pretty good year, Craig. You've been a bit hard on yourself there. I think, like, I think the, the, the funny thing we get back to state footy, and I, I should, I should recognise the, um, yeah, like, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the hardest thing of state footy is making it. You know, I mean, once, once you've made it and you've gone okay, it's sort of you can, you can have a, a good year without having a great year, and. Um, and uh, and you can still get selected. And um, I mean, I, I just I remember like you know, obviously I'd won the BNF in '91 um, and '92. You're sort of trying to build on that. And I just as I said, like I said, Yabby Jean speaks for itself. Legend of the game. You know, I don't know what five, six premierships and all that. But I just I remember like it was a, it was a you know I still was able to play some 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 good footy. Um, but I suppose when you sort of playing state football and you've got your own expectations. I didn't live up to my expectations. And, and looking back, as I got through probably a little bit older, through my mid-20s, 25, 26, 27, you learn to be able to deal with, you know, if, if there's a negative comment from a coach and all that, you learn to be able to deal with it a lot better than probably what you do at 22, 23. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, so basically saying the state team was like the Australian cricket team, mate. Once you're in, it's, uh, <laughs> it's harder to get out than get in. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's, so, uh, yeah. So, so, so we get to 93, and Alan Jean steps down due to health problems, yep. and the great John Noyley, a great Richmond Tiger man, comes to Tigerland. Yep. And the other notable signing to Richmond is a young colt named Matthew Richardson. Yep. What were your first impressions of Swooper? 
And how are you starting to feel about the revolving door of coaches? Because you're now up to your third coach in six years. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, Swooper was a really sort of like personable guy. He was sort of like, um, it was all about us against the rest. Yeah, you know I mean, he really sort of built that camaraderie. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously, he, he was at Melbourne and had success there. And so, I mean, it was you are starting to ask yourself, geez, geez this is happening too much. Um, so, I mean, in, in ninety, in ninety, the start of ninety three, um, I think we we touched on this. Um, before the podcast started, I I actually got approached from uh, Kevin Sheedy. Uh, he rang me up in end of '92. Um, uh, he rang me up, and I, I nearly told him where to go because I didn't think it was Sheeds. Actually, I thought it was one of my mates taking the piss from Dan and I. And uh, and it was it was Sheeds, and we we hooked up at the Melbourne Inn. You know that um, hotel on the corner there before you, when you turn left to go to the airport, yep. Melbourne Inn Hotel. And we we caught up there with Roger Hamps. Roger Hampson, I think, was the GM and. And Sheeds, and, and I remember Sheeds, he had his little clipboard and he had the, the 93 team on it. And he had, I think they were all in, they were all in black, the, his team. And he had, he had me as Ruck Rover. And he turns to me and he goes, I like the look of that team, Lambo. And, uh, and, and, I, and I remember what I was getting paid back then um, with the Tigers. And, and obviously, um, I was sort of, I'd played state footy and, um, I'd won a BNF and all that, and I remember Sheed Sheed's offered me twice the amount that I was getting paid at Richmond to leave uh, for the start of '93 season. I went home, spoke to my mum, spoke to my brother, spoke to my fiance, my wife now, Melissa, and I armed and hard, and I just thought, you know what, I'll go back to the club and I'll try and get myself an extra fifteen, twenty grand, um, even even though that was twenty less than what uh, Essendon had actually um, offered, and. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to leave this group of guys. I really don't. I just, um, yeah, you know, we've formed a pretty good bond. It, it hasn't been ultra successful. We hadn't played finals yet. But I just, I just felt an obligation. The club had given me an opportunity, and um, so I rang Sheeds up and uh, and uh, uh, said, mate, listen, I'd love to go. I'd love to come. But I, I just, I started something with Richmond. They gave me an opportunity, and I really, I, I really want to stick stick with them. And he said, no worries, Lambo. I respect our loyalty. Um, and funny story, we're playing Essendon. I don't know, ran eight or nine, and that was when the two change rooms were together back in the old days. You know, used to be the MCG, you sort of had to walk out yep. side oh, yeah, by side. side. Remember yep. those, those old days? Yeah. And we, half time we're walking out of the reserves, and, um, and I didn't know that Sheeds was walking out right next to me. And he's talking to himself, and he's talking to me, and he said, you know, hey, Lambo, you don't have to worry about me getting you that extra 20000 Don't you? Don't worry about me getting that extra thirty. That's okay. But we're going to tag you today, right, and I'm going to keep you under fifteen. And, mate, literally, for the next, I reckon, the next six years, Kevin Sheedy, didn't matter if they were 100 points up, he used to always tag me. Just have, he'd, he'd have <laughs> Gary O'Donnell, he'd have Ezard, he'd have, like, Danaher's, mate. I'd just get Shawnee Denham's. I mean, I'd say, mate, it'd be, they're 100 points up once, and I think I said to Shawnee, I said, Shawnee, mate, there's five minutes to play, 100 points up. He goes, Lambo. If you get a touch, I won't play next week. So, so with, with Sheeds, with Sheeds, he did take it personally. And and that, and I don't know where, where you can tell me where we finished in '93. Well, I know, I know, I know, Essendon won it. I know that. Well, I can tell you. So, 1993 is a down year for the club. Right. We finished the second last on the ladder with four wins and sixteen losses. But this actually turns out to be your final season at the club. Yep. In your words, um, what happened? Because from a supporter standpoint, like 
Your loss still rankles me to this day. Actually, <laughs> if I'm honest, it's actually you and Stuart Maxfield. And there's a lot of Tigers of my vintage. Yep. <laughs> They're the two losses of players that really, really still irk us to this very day. But I'll let you um, expand on what happened at the end of 1993. Well, end of 1993, I said, it wasn't, it wasn't a good year for me. It wasn't a good year for the club. And, um, you know, I mean, I obviously, that was when I was starting to sort of, trades were starting to pop up. So you sort of, I remember, I remember um, someone from Fitzroy rang me up. I'm not sure might have been October or November and said, listen, I, I, uh, Richmond are trying to trade you to, to us. Would you, would you, would you, would you come to Fitzroy? And I, again, I, I, I didn't, I didn't believe it. I didn't think after, you know, one, one bad year that I'd be offloaded. Um, so I just, I just hung up on the guy. Actually, it was, it was a head recruiter. I can't remember what his name is. And then um, it rang up again and said, listen, um, I can confirm now that you're, you're, you're a part of a trade. You're a part of the Jeff, Jeff Hogg trade. Um, and I, I said, listen, mate, I, I don't want to talk to you. I want to ring up my club and, and talk to the um, appropriate people. So, so I remember ringing up, I think Swooper, Swooper, he was overseas. He's, um, he's either doing a study trip. I'm not sure. He wasn't, he wasn't there. Um, so I got a hold of Cameron Swab, who was their CEO. And I said, Cam, I said, mate, I'm hearing that the club's trying to trade me to Fitzroy. Surely this is not, not accurate. And he said, well, he said, would you, would you be interested in, in, in a trade? And I can't not on this podcast. I probably can't say what I said to him, but it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't too flash. Um, uh, I sort of felt like um, I really felt betrayed in a way. I just felt like even if you know, even if you wanted to trade me, at least come come and talk to me first. I mean, like I mean, I've, I've had Lee Matthews, you know, who I who I rate as one of my great mentors and all that, who wound me up in two thousand. But he had the courage to tell me, and I was contracted for two thousand and one when they won the premiership. But he had the courage to actually come and talk to me, say, "Listen, mate, we won't cut you next year. Um, you've done too much for the club, but I think you can be better for us in a coaching capacity." So I just I was just a little bit disappointed that I'd heard it a couple of times from. Fitzroy people, and then I had that sort of call with Cameron, and I said it's nothing against Cameron and the club. I mean, these trades go on all the time. It just, uh, I just felt like I was, I was really disappointed that I thought that I'd given my heart and soul, I had a chance to go to Essendon the year, be- the year before, and on double the money. Um, and then before you knew it, it was, and that was, you know, when obviously Brodders came to the club, and that was a part of the Brodders trade, and, and Brodders was was a terrific pickup for the footy club, and and one of the best blokes I've met in footy actually, but. Um, so I'm I'm there, thinking, what am I going to do? You know, the trust is gone. <laughs> I said, well, I'm not going to go back to I'm not going back to Richmond now. They've they've they've. But I'll tell you one thing, I'm not going. I'm not going to Fitzroy. I'll make sure that this deal falls through. So then I get a call from I get a call from Dennis Pagan, and he says, we want you at North Melbourne. And I said, mate, I want to come to North Melbourne. He said, the only problem we've got is we've finished six, so we've got about the twelfth pick in the draft. Um, and there's going to be a few that probably want to get you before us. So, so that was when um, I, I don't know. What you probably can remember was when I put that real big figure on my head yep. um, to try and which 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 I think you know Lukey Ball I think did it with uh, with the Pies one year. So I, I I was really desperate to stay in Melbourne. Um, I was sort of I was flattered a little bit. You know Dennis Bagan, North Melbourne. I always admired the way they went about their footy and all that tough and all that to get a crack with North. Um, so the only way that I'd get to North, um, you know, I remember sitting with uh, Kerry Good, um, Smokey Dawson, uh, all the power brokers, <laughs> all, all the power brokers here and thinking, 
how how on earth how on earth am I going to try and how do I get to how do I get to um to North Melbourne because I want to I just got engaged to, um, so I want to stay in Melbourne families here and then so back then as you remember they they didn't have the they didn't have the national draft then the preseason draft the preseason draft was in March so it was it was they'd had they have the uh, the normal draft in in November. And then the preseason draft was in March, three weeks before yep. or two weeks before round one. So I remember, I remember they're saying the only way we can get you is we've got to put like a, a real big figure on your head, um, a lot more than what you're getting now, and and then no one will probably pick you up, and you can slide through to us. And I said, so yeah, well, whatever you whatever you think will work. And, and obviously they spread it over a few years, obviously, um, which 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 makes up the difference. So I remember. Thinking, well, I want I want to go to North, um, uh, and they were, and they were the first ones to grab me. I, I had Sydney after that. Sydney, um, the great Ron Joseph, he was the GM. He flew my wife Mel and I to, to Sydney for a week and wine and diners. And Ron Barassi was a coach, and um, Ron called me Chris Lambert the first time he met me. So I'm thinking, well, he, he hasn't done, he hasn't done his research too much, Ronnie, but that's okay. He's Ron Barassi, he can do what he wants, um, and. And again, they had a priority pick, so I, I could have gone them if I had known what was going to happen in in March with me going to Brisbane. I could have gone to Sydney and St Kilda. So St Kilda had a priority pick as well. So St Kilda rang me as well. But because I'm really loyal, that once I once I commit to once North rang me up and said we want to get you, we think we can get you. We put enough on your head. Um, I said, well, if you think you can do that, I'll I'll, I'll stay the course. So I'm training. I said, uh, one of my, one of my, probably one of my greatest influences of all time is Ray Giles, the boxing coach. I trained with him from when I was the age of 20 to uh, probably 31 or 32. Um, so I did all my training with Ray, and um, so and I am a I am a highly stressful sort of player. Anxiety was always a part of me as a footy player. I'm not, you know, said like I'm pretty open about it, sort of. You know, the anxiety always sort of partly drove you, but sort of sometimes sort of paralysed me as well. So, as I was getting closer and closer to the um, to the to the draft, a March March draft. So North North are just adamant that I'll just slide through to their pick, right? And I'm going, and I'm and I've got Ronnie Joseph ringing me up saying, "Hey Lambert, we know what you want to do, right? We've got pick four. We're going to take you." And I said, "Ronnie, you don't have to abuse me, mate. If you got pick four, well, you've got to pick before North Melbourne. You can just pick me then." So it became this thing, and then I wouldn't take any calls, and um, it was quite stressful actually. And then, and then the, one of the funniest stories about four days before the draft, it's sort of like um, I get a call from Wayne Carey, right? and, and again, I'm thinking, who? Wayne Carey's not going to ring me. And he goes, Lambo, it's, uh, it's it's Wayne Carey, mate. Just mate, hoping everything goes well. Uh, I think the draft was on a Tuesday or something like that. I hope it goes well. We can get you to the club. I said, excuse my language, you're good, good on your fuck. We do this. I actually, I actually, <laughs> I actually did set thought. It was, I did set thought again. It was one of my mates playing a, playing a gag. I mean, I'm, and it was and it was dark, right? And so I had to apologise to Dark, saying, mate, I've had blokes ringing me up saying they're Anthony Stevens, they're, they're Glenn Archer, the Darren Crocker. I said, so I apologise, mate. So, so I played. The, so I've I've got to the the day of the draft, and I'm I'm having a sandwich with a with another another Richmond player, one of my great mates, Barry Young. On Bridge Road, I'm having a, having a sandwich because it was on the radio back then, guys. So paint the picture here, right? I haven't heard, I haven't heard from Brisbane the whole four months. Brisbane have not made contact with me. So the last club I think that's going to pick me up is Brisbane. So I'm there and um, sitting in the cafe with Baz, 
and Baz, Baz is hoping to get to, to Essendon. So they say Barry Young, Barry Young's come on to Essendon. He's he's high fiving himself like he used to do. Um, and then and, and then they said, well, there's been a big shock in, in the March draft. And they said, and they they went through all the drafts. They said, oh, Craig Lambert's going to Brisbane Bears, going up north. So I'd I'd, I'd only heard the north because I was paralysed, right? And Barry Young said, Lambo, mate, you, you know you're going to the Bears, don't you? And I said, I, I couldn't talk. Literally, I sort of had my sandwich, dropped my sandwich. I get a call from my manager back then, and um, and he says, "Listen, there's going to be a, a press crew uh, coming to the cafe in the next five minutes." Now, mate, I know it's not what we expected, but I, I just want you, I want you to, I want you to be positive about the move to Brisbane. And I said, "Okay." So, so let, let me just let me just lay this down for you. I'm fair skin, right? Um, I wear a long sleeve jumper. Um, it's averages 34 degrees heat in, in, in Brisbane, right? And, and you're asking me to be positive about going to Brisbane. And, and, they're, and they're on the bottom of the ladder. I said, mate, how on earth can I be positive? He said, Lambo, it's a national competition. You've got to be positive. I remember just getting – and then I, then I got a call from my wife, who was my fiancée back then. She was in tears. She was howling. Oh, we, we, we can't go to Brisbane. Oh, what's going on? And it was just – it was, it was mayhem, right? And I'm thinking, oh, and, and, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, press is there and you, you say what you got to say and you know it's a national competition and um you know I'm, I'm excited there's a lot of good young talent at brisbane <laughs> and you get up there and and two, and two weeks later you're actually you're actually playing and you and you're on this big figure um you know this big figure that you try to scare everyone off with um so you got players in the in the locker room that are filthy that you're there because i was getting over the over the odds but um and that's that's the history of me getting to brisbane bears and as I said, like if it hadn't been from Richmond um, trying to trade me, and they had every right to trade me, and, and the trade still went through, so I was a really good trade for for, for um, Richmond because they got they got Brodders, who is a star. Well, they, um, got, they got they got Brodders, Gale, Dundas. Was I, I don't know was it was it was it Gale was was um Butch in that one? I'm not sure. But I, 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 I thought I thought we got three. I thought we got three. You know what it was, Elliot Dundas. Uh, but 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 it was it was a great trade for the club. And it said I've got no. I mean, it said looking back on it, it just for me to actually go through that whole, you know, like you imagine these days, you just have to wait. What you do you do the you do the national draft and the preseason draft on the next day. But it was such a it was an exhausting um, three months. And so I just when I when I meet Richmond people, and you know, I mean, I, the greatest years were, were the Richmond times where you you were growing with that that younger group, and, and these things happen in life where you know, what, if someone tries to trade you, well, then you know, you've got the choice to say, do I want to stay or do I want to go, and all that. And, and in the end, I I chose to to to, to leave because I and and the club the club were doing everything to try and get me to Fitzroy. Um, so for ever all the viewers out there, all the Tiger um, listeners and that. I promise you, hand on heart, I never had an intention to leave the Tigers. These things happen. Um, I ended up at Brisbane. Um, if we want to talk about sliding doors, I just said to you before, I, I love people when they say they're unlucky about premierships. I said, well, in 93, I had a, a handshake from Kevin Shee that he wanted me to go to the Bombers, and I said no. And then at the end of 93, the Tigers wanted to get rid of me, and I was a lock to go to North Melbourne. They won at 96 and 99, right? Uh, and then I end up at Brisbane Bears and play seven years, and I think I play some pretty good footy there and help Voss, Black, Lappins, and all those guys. 
And then Lee Matthews retires me at 2000 and they win three in a row. (laughs) Football is a very cruel mistress. (laughs) (laughs) So no one can say they're unlucky. I I wish I could. When people say they're unlucky, I think you just, as I said, I've, that that even even and we'll probably get to it with uh with Brisbane, but I mean, uh, I'm I'm more proud that you know when you see people and I'm getting to an age now where you get a bit older where people you know every now and then might say I love the way you went about your footy and that means more than me than hanging on for another year and maybe getting a grand final where you probably don't even deserve it. So um, so I've never really sort of felt like I was unlucky. I just that, that that's what happened in my journey. That was just your path. That was my path, Jeez. and that's it. So. Fast forward. 25 years, 2018, you were back on the MCG uh, versus North Melbourne as the homecoming hero for the Tigers. What was that like to be back in front of the Tiger Army and slotting another goal, albeit from the from the goal line? But you, it's a goal oh, nonetheless. <laughs> well, it, it was. I mean, it's a great uh, initiative by Richmond, isn't it? Like, sort of, it just shows the class of the footy club. I mean, I'm, I'm great mates with Brendan Gale. He's just a he's a star of a person, star of administrator. Um, you know, Peggy, you know, Barmy, you know, what that club's done over the last probably five years has been extraordinary, but it was just brilliant to go back. Um, my whole family came back and, um, you know, to go out there and just feel the, feel the love from the Tiger Army. I think it was about 25 metres out to tell you the truth. And, and I'd had three schooners before it and, and I, and I was in dress shoes. I was going to say, you would have had dress shoes on. Yeah. I had dress shoes on and I, I actually hit it, hit it. Okay. I was, I was really surprised. I, I, I silly blokes like Hog and Butch Gale and all those blokes saying, don't you be a weak, weak prick Lampert. I want you to go out to the 50 metre line and I want you to have a crack at 50. I said, mate, I couldn't kick 50 when I was 22. How am I going to do it now at 50? <laughs> I mean, I mean, so I just, I took the conservative and uh, I, I think I drew it from about 20, 25 and my great mate Lampert came over and gave me a hug. But it was just, I just think those sort of things, are, they're, they're, hopefully, hopefully the supporters get something out of it because – uh, so do we. I mean, we. I haven't played league footy for thirty years now, and um, you know, I, I still remember the first game I ever played for the Tigers in '88 against Melbourne, and 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 the warmth and the love that the Tiger Army have always shown me. So uh, it gives gives us a kick as well. Speaking of first games, you obviously presented the jumper to Sydney Stack for his first game against the Giants. What was that like being a part of that kind of ceremony? Well, sort of. It was it was interesting because. Um, I got the call from Timmy Livingston, uh, who's done, who does, does a great job with the Tigers as well. And um, you know, I played played with Timmy at the Tigers, and um, and obviously, you know, once once you get that honour of actually presenting a jumper, you sort of all, all the emotions go back to probably when you f- first played your first game, which you probably don't. You sort of you, you take it a bit for granted as you get a bit older that first first time you ever pull the jumper on and so you, you obviously got to, got to do a bit of research on, on on the kid and I was really intrigued with um with Sydney's um journey and how we got to the Tigers and obviously he's had a bit of troubles and all that but hopefully you can learn from those and because the kid's got a heap, heap of talent um and, and and he's at the right club who can sort of probably you know he's, he's had a couple of chances now so he's probably he probably hasn't got too many more chances but you know the club will stick by him but to go to, to go there and um you know, I've always had a great affiliation with all the um, yeah, all the Indigenous players. You know, I was probably fortunate. I spoke before about a, a guy that our daughter's godparents are the McLeans, you know, um, Magic and yeah. Linda McLean. And, and uh, Magic Magic really showed me um, – I mean, I've always had a lot of respect and love for – I mean, I'm, I'm a carer, but, I mean, he really sort of educated me a little bit on just the, you know, the culture of the Indigenous. And um, um, so I've always had a really good affiliation with all Indigenous players that I've been involved with. Um, so the journey of Sydney was just, was, was incredible. But when you walk in, 
you're walking into these rooms um, and colours, uh, and all of a sudden I, I started to choke up and get a bit emotional because you sort of, you know, I'd been how long? Been so long, 25 years since I'd been in a Richmond rooms before, and you're presenting this jumper to a kid who's just got those killer eyes that that, that hopefully I I had back in 1988 where you just sort of you do anything to sort of to play for the Richmond Football Club, and um, it was really it was really emotional. Um, you know, obviously Sydney's family was there, Sydney's um, Sydney's manager was Paul Pierce, who's an ex-teammate of mine for Brisbane Bears. Um, so I, I really, I mean, I, I feel fat, really lucky that I get a chance to give him the jumper. He actually, he actually kicked the first goal. He played a really good game, actually. And um, I think uh, Koch hurt his hamstring in the third quarter when the game was in the balance. And um, I think the the Giants just got on top and won it by about three or four goals. But it was, it was just brilliant. I just think all that stuff where you can sort of go back and actually, you know, it's not war and peace. It's not about my journey. It was about, you know, a little bit about what it, what it meant to me. Uh, but just, you know, what what tradition and what culture Richmond is. I mean, I, I think I said it in the speech, and this was going back last year, around five, six, whenever it was, I just said, I mean, the Richmond Football Club over the last four years are the envy of, of every club because what they have um, is that unbelievable care for each other and culture. Um, and and while they have that, they're going to be really hard to be knocked off because, you know, I've been around some talented groups and, um, you know, I said before, I was really lucky enough to be around Brisbane Lions and they had that. They had they had the talent and they had this beautiful feeling and caring for each other. Um, and when you walk into a room and they have that, uh, you can sense it. And I remember sensing it when I uh, was lucky enough to present Sydney with his uh, with his first jumper. And that kind of leads into my last question for you: that obviously a long time between drinks with premierships for us uh, up until 2017. What's your take on how our current success has come about? Is it is it all based on that culture? I think it's recruiting. I think it's recruiting culture. I think it's leadership. It's you know, like it's. I mean, if I could, if I could sort of, you know, if, if I mean, I told you before that I actually, you know, that 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 era with um, if you look at Brisbane Lions era, it started with the Brisbane Bears. Um, you know, Robert Walls was a fantastic mentor of mine, and you know, you know, I know a lot of people. You know, if you talk to Nigel Lappins and, and Michael Vosses, and they'll speak in glowing terms of, of, of Robbie. It was tough and he was hard. But he started. He started the process of those young guys actually training hard, you know, professionalism. Um, he's very good tactically. And if you, if you track back Richmond, I mean, their last four years have been astonishing. But you know, it, it's probably been like an eight, nine year journey when you when you look at some of these kids like, you know, Edwards we spoke about before, and we, you know, Dusties and and Koch. It's been a journey of them actually going through some tough years obviously having the right people around them. And sometimes you can be doing everything right and things just don't click, you know. But yeah. if you can stay together long enough and then, you know, you, you look at their recruiting, you know, over the years where they've just been able to recruit the right types, um, their coaching, the way they play a system base, you know, in regards to their, you know, their team defence is extraordinary. Um, and then then all of a sudden you, you, you tap into that, you know, the, the real class, you know, Dusty Martin, freak of nature, we know that, but, you know, then they start to build this incredible culture and care. And I remember you, you guys, as I said, my memory's not as good as you. You're younger than me, you lads. But there was a game at the MCG where one of the opposition players got um, knocked out, I think, or got hurt. And I reckon every Richmond player, and they, they got him on a, a cart. And I remember, this is probably three years ago, every Richmond player went over. Uh, it was Reese Conker. It was Conker and he did his um, ankle. 
was Buddy and, Franklin. Franklin, uh, Franklin took him down in a tackle. That was it. And, and I just thought, you know, like, and it wasn't scripted. It just was automatic. And I thought, if you could bottle, if you could bottle that sort of that culture or soul or whatever of a club, um, that's what everyone's searching for. And, and Richmond have it at the moment. And that's that's a credit to Peggy, Brendan, um, Barmy, Dimmer. You know, all the coaches and all that. It's just, um, you know, Timmy Livingston. You just name it. They just got a really They've got a special group at the moment, but you've got to be you've got to be really protective of that because um, if all of a sudden you think that it's just going to go on, which I'm sure Richmond don't, you, you can lose that pretty quickly. So it's uh, you know I have no doubt this year that everyone will probably say Richmond are getting older and you know probably there's going to be another flag favourite and all that. But if they keep that spirit, that Tiger spirit, and they have a little bit of luck with injuries, they'll be pretty hard to beat again. I can tell you that. As Tommy Havey says, mate, you got to watch out for that wounded tiger. It'll come out and get you when you least expect it. Hundred percent. I Jack Dyer. He once. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, it's actually funny. The one thing we didn't talk about was Jack Dyer's famous speech um, in the um, Jack Dyer stand for uh, the Save Our Skins campaign. But uh, for you youngins, it's on YouTube. Uh, highly recommended. Fantastic viewing. The uh, passion that come from uh, Jack Dyer that day. Yeah, he spoke to he spoke to us probably. I think it was eighty eight, eighty nine. Jeez, it was it was incredible. I just I couldn't take my eyes off him. Actually, he's such an intimidating person, and um, uh, you know, extraordinary when you when you when you get it, when you look back on your career and you think Jack Dyer and Kevin Bartlett's and Dale Waitman's and Jimmy Jess and Michael Roaches and all that. You just you just you got to pinch yourself sometimes. It's sort of like you know, you know, you know such a historic club, um, and I was I was I was lucky enough to to play 123 games. I, I will go into, if you don't mind, lads, the, how I got to number four. Do you want to know that? Or Yeah, absolutely. Because oh, yeah, yeah. it is. Because you, you said you were 53 for only six games, seven games. I, well, I, you might have to do your research. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it was seven, eight games. And it's, it's a funny story because obviously number four is quite an iconic jumper, especially now with what Dusty's doing, but uh, with Royce and Jeff Rains and obviously Matty Rogers and all that. So, um, but I... Back back in the old days, as, as we've spoken about, I used to wear a long sleeve, right? And and back back when the, when clubs weren't didn't have big budgets, they only they only used to have from number one to number six in long sleeves in the training jerseys, right? Oh, there you so, go. So in '88, I, I obviously wore number four for the whole preseason, right? So all preseason, punt road, getting smashed, training with KB, and you know like, and um, Mark Waller Eustace uh, wore number four, so uh, so I'm. <laughs> So I've started my first three, four games, five games. I'm, I'm in 53, and I'm, I'm tracking okay. And uh, I'm sure it's about round seven, I think it is. Right? And I become really close with Flea Waitman, who's, as I've spoke about, just a legend, you know, in regards to how he helped my footy and um, made me feel like I belong. But I remember walking in one one afternoon after I'd been doing my plumbing, I think, and um, I get I go straight to Dusty's Dusty's room and I get me get me get me number four. And Flea, you know, cheeky fleas. Flea goes, he goes, fuck, man, but you're not bad, are you? I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, geez, you've jumped into Wally Eustace's grave pretty quick, haven't you? And I said, well, what do you want about? He goes, well, Wally, Wally Eustace got the flick. They've actually they've actually gave him the arse. I've gone, <laughs> no way. He said, I'm telling you, Lambo, they've given him the arse. He goes, you should go up to go up to Swabby or go up to the coaches and see whether you can get number four. So here I am, like a tragic Carlton supporter, right? Know a bit, a little bit about the Richmond history, not a lot, right? So then I, I sort of, I, the next day I'm thinking, well, 53. I mean, it's a heavy number. I mean, I'm, I, I would have been happy with anything in the 30s, right? 
Um, and then I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll chance me luck and I'll, I'll go up to KB and Cameron Swab and I'll say, is there any chance I can get number four? I've heard Wally's been given the flick and all that. And they said, you know, the importance of number four, Craig. And I said, well, I know Jeff Rains because I couldn't read the locker. Jeff Rains and obviously the great Royce Hart. Um, they said, well, we, we want you to understand more of the history of this jumper because um, before we give it to you. So then we had a meeting the following day and I had to do a bit of research on the history of the jumper and all that. And, and that's, that's why I love the club because, you know, they're not just going to give me number four because it's a, it's a pretty important jumper for the footy club. And, and uh, I answered all the questions correctly, I believe. Uh, and in the end, they said, Lambo, uh, you've got number four. And uh, that's how I got the number four, guys. <laughs> that's so you're telling me all those number 12s aren't, they're not all David Asprey fans. All those number twelves out there right now. <laughs> oh, probably. If you, you, have you had Richo on here before? Yeah, I've uh, yeah, had a trip. Yeah, he's uh, like Richo. Yeah, you said to me before. I remember Matty, Matty Richardson's one of the talk about a nice human being, but a superstar. But we um we used to run the tan. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm, we used to run the tan. We used to do our time trials, as you know. The Tigers always did a time trial of tan, and and it used to be like for about three years. It used to be like out of myself, Knights, and Brian Lee's three of us. Sort of, we we'd, we'd all be around the same mark, right? And then remember, we had this. I'm not. What year did Richo come? You'd be able he to tell He was preseason '93. '93, right? So we we we'd done our time trial, and Nider and I had won it together, um, and I think. I can't remember. I think we ran at like a 13, 13 flat, I think. I think it was like that. So pretty time. And then we see this young six-foot, six-rooster walking over with one of our other head trainers. And they introduced Matty Richardson and hey, Richard Lambeau and all that. He ran it by himself with with the, with the trainer, and he ran a 12, a 12.50. So he beat us by about 14 seconds. <laughs> well, you don't want big blokes rolling you. Yeah? <laughs> you oh, never want that. Mate, I'm thinking, mate, and, no, and like the the best guy, like you, you want to talk about, and yeah, Richo, he kicked so many goals. And funny story, when I first played at Brisbane, we played against the Tigers, and, and I love Richo because he just as I said like he's got a harder goal. People who sort of there's some people who just don't don't get him. They they used to think because he used to get the shits up and all that that he he was selfish. He just was more he was more pissed out pissed off on himself. He's I don't think I've met a better person in footy than, than Matthew Richardson. But I remember he had a shot. Third quarter, um, it would have been '94, and um, at the Gabba, and he and he's about 25 out on a slight angle. Right? I remember they're sledging on the side there, and I, I said, Richo, I said, mate, you were filthy when I left the club. He goes, why is that, Lamb? I said, now you're the worst fucking shot for goal from 25 minutes out. <laughs> and he sprayed, he sprayed, and he goes, fuck off, Lambo. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Now. To finish this interview off, I'm just going to fire some quick-fire questions at you. Just four of them? Yep. So I want to know, who was the best player you played with at Richmond? Dale Waitman. Who was the best player you played with at Brisbane? Michael Voss. The best opponent you ever played against at Richmond? Best opponent I ever played against uh, would have been Greg Williams. Yep. Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a name. That's a that's a good call. And what about when you're at the Lions? Did anyone take over from the Lions? Um, I had a play against the Lions. It was probably the best. There's the best and there's the hardest in there. The best I played against probably, 
Um, oh, no, no, without doubt, Robert Harvey. Yeah, Robert yeah, Harvey. He's... Yeah, I played on him once. Thank God. I used to play on Berkey a fair bit, which was was okay. But once I had to play on halves, Berkey was crook or something at, at Waverley. And I, and I, mate, I've, I've never ran so much well, in my life. He K's, ran yeah. me <laughs> up and down the ground. Now his hair doesn't move. It makes you sick. And he's he, he's a really and he's a really nice bloke too. So you can't try and whack him. And I'm thinking, just can we just get this game over and done with? <laughs> just, yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, halves halves was the best. Yeah, that was the best. That was big wide ground too, Waverley. One of the wings were really wide out there too. So if you had oh, someone who could run, horrific. My, my God, mate, it was the, the hardest two hours of my life. <laughs> Your best win at Richmond. Which one did you rate? Ah, uh, the the Mother's Day massacre was the best. It was just um the 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 the, the crowd. Uh, it, it was just it was eerie the feeling actually, like because it was sort of the script wasn't meant to, for us to win, and you know, we, as we were down, you know, Hoggy kicking ten, which was pretty insane. It still is to be able to kick ten goals. So I think the Mother's Day massacre was just uh, just an incredible win. Beautiful. And the final one, and I imagine this would go over your days at Richmond and Brisbane. Yep. Who was your most hated team? Who did you really like? You just hate. You just wanted to beat them every time. I know you want to beat every team, but who was that one particular team that you just, you, man, we, we just got to beat these guys? Who do I hate? Well, I hated Essendon for a long time, even though I loved them as a footy club because, I mean, I mean, for some reason, Sheedy just tagged me every single week. He just he, he – just, Took a liking just tagging me every single week. So, yeah, but I mean, the, the one one team that I hate, uh, I used to, I, I, I had an ongoing running battle with uh, Liam Pickering, who I'm, I'm, I'm mates with now, Pickers, because uh, Pickers was a bit of a chirper. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, uh, Pickers used to always, so, so Pickers played for North for a couple of years and he played for Geelong. Yep. So I used to I used to look at whatever team he was playing for, and I wasn't I didn't really like them too much because he used to say he used to say some things on the field. But, but as back then, he used to just chirp all the time. But um, I'm trying to think which is, is there a club that I really just I shouldn't say despise. That's the bad word. Yeah. Which which club which club didn't I like playing against? Um, well, can I reword it? Which which club did you feel you had the best rivalry with? <laughs> I'll make it more PC. No 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 no. I'm just I'm just trying to because it was sort of like. You, you probably go back to the clubs where you, you know, the, the, you probably struggled against, really. So, um, but uh, which club did I dislike the most? Um, uh, gee, that's a curly one. That one. It's uh, I've never been asked that one before. I've been asked who was my toughest opponent, all that sort of stuff. But I will say, who was the um, probably. Probably the the worst team I I, I dislike playing against. Was St Kilda when you had to play Morabin? Oh yeah, they used to water. You say they um they had Burns, they had that Joffa, and they used to they used to water water the uh, Morabin, didn't they? They used to water. Mate, it, it was it was, and I like St Kilda as a footy club. Don't get me wrong, but it was I only played there I think two years. It was the most frightening experience when you had Jeff Burns and Cunninghams and all these tough lunatics, right? And I've I've met those guys in the most they're really good guys, but but on that field back in the uh, in the late eighties, uh, I tell you what, it, it it was scary to play St Kilda at Moorabbin. It was it was more scary to play there, I found, than playing at Victoria Park. And and they had that. What was their group of supporters called? They had the animal. It was the animal cage, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think it was. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, man. I mean, I, I mean, I, 
I'd like to think I was relatively brave on a footy field, man. I should be terrified playing at Moorabbin. I mean, like, you're thinking, like, I could get killed here. And I, and I come through as a 16-year-old in the VFA. So they already – so that tells you how, how crazy it was. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. Is back then, it was it was still suburban warfare, wasn't it? It still oh, had that mate, I mean, it was yeah, – yeah, just like – yeah, you know, uh, now you bring back memories that I don't want to remember. It's like you just, you know, like you just, you, you, you're with men that are just tough, you know. Like, and if you if you try to pick the ball up, yeah, there was no kicking in danger. <laughs> they, they just kick your head. They just kick your head off. Like, and you think to yourself, might not get. I literally could get killed here. But I mean, it's sort of you had to grow up quick. And um, you know, I said, like, I mean, always the good thing about back then it was like, you know, once you finish the game, you know, you'd you'd always go back and there'd be an aftermatch where you could have a drink with the you know, the opposition players and the and, and the umpires had come in, which was really nice because I mean, I used to sometimes probably say the wrong things to umpires, get a little bit frustrated guys as you do. But back yeah. back then you could actually apologize to them and say, Mate, I didn't mean nothing by it. I was getting tagged, I thought you weren't giving me much and all that. And you, that these these days it's It'd be, be nothing better. I don't think it could happen because they've got to go back and review games. It's a lot more sort of professional. But it was really good to inter, in, interact with the umpires after the game. And just and I'd always, if, if I said the wrong thing to them, I'd always apologise and say, listen, mate, I didn't mean nothing, nothing by it. They said, no, it's all cool, Lambo. I still spend my Saturday afternoons now at cricket apologising to the umpires. So <laughs> I can still relate to that. <laughs> yeah, it's, sort of, it's, it's a change game now, isn't it? I suppose it's... Uh, that's the evolution, but it's um, it, it, it is it, it is. I still think that um, that that aftermatch thing where which it, it can't be done now. I mean, I know that, but it was it was such a. I, mean, I suppose as as a, as a younger player, I don't remember through the Richmond days, and I did it at Victoria Park. And I remember talking to Dakes and all that after. I think we got beat by about about five goals, six goals, and all that. And, and he's Dakes having a beer with you. And I'm just thinking, hey, this I know we've been beaten by five goals, but you're sort of – you're just talking as athletes, you know what I mean? And and, and obviously yeah. – and these days it's a bit more sanitised and all that, and it's still a great product. I think the AFL do an amazing job. I think I think how they got through COVID was extraordinary, and, you know, you, you really got to take your hat off to the AFL in regards to – yeah, you know, they are the envy of all competitions, aren't they? The way they the, the way they run it. So uh, let's just hope that the the Tigers can do the the, the three peat this year, and uh, I think everyone will be happy. I need to build a bigger house, mate. I'll get that much merchandise. It's crazy. I've got to <laughs> have to go to the bank and take out an overdraft. But 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 Craig, look, I was really really excited when you agreed to come onto the program tonight, and sincerely we thank you for the opportunity uh, for chatting with us tonight. Oh, and um, we'd like to wish you all the best for the future. And on behalf of the Tiger Army, thank you so much for your time tonight. No, it's been a pleasure, guys. And uh, as I said, like, um, I'll start to listen to the podcast now, actually. I sort of, I'm, I'm getting into the podcast. I'm sort of at that age now where I, I'd rather sort of listen to podcasts. I'm not, I'm not a big reader. Um, and uh, as I said before, it was, um, it was a pleasure um, reminiscing in regards to taking me back all those years. Um, and as I said before, uh, I feel fairly privileged to, to warm the, the Richmond jersey for uh, 123 games and, and really proud of being a, obviously a past Jack Dye medalist, but you know, on, on what the club's doing, what they've done the last four years. And yeah, it'd be pretty magic if they could win, uh, if they could win this year. You know, you, they really put themselves up there as probably one of the great sides of all time, if not, you know, you know what's, what's that four out of five years, you, you're, probably, you're probably talking in the top three sides of, of all time. A different conversation again, isn't it? A different conversation, absolutely. And um, and and is it true that uh, Dusty won the time trial, or is that just uh, I, was, I just I was on oh, Twitter today and they yeah. said that Dusty Dusty won the time trial. 
It, it did. But we don't. The thing we're not sure about is if it was done in groups or if it was an overall team thing. But apparently, the group he was in was with like Yepresti of Loston, Koch. So I think he was running with the mids. So that's a bit of a warning shot to the rest of the comp if Dusty's winning a charm trial. Well, yeah, they, you know the crazy thing about like I'm I'm here in New South Wales now, right? And I've got all my mates are tragic rugby league people, all, all buried for West Tigers or Canterbury and all that, and and we're watching the grand final. We we got this pub. We go to the Palace Hotel. It's a great pub uh, owned by Billy Young and um, an ex Wallaby forty six Test and a uh, good mate of mine. And you wouldn't believe it. Every Saturday we sort of go up there and we have a take a hundred dollars and we have a few bets on the on the race horses and all that. And I've got. I've got twenty dollars left, right? The grand final's about to start, and all these all these rugby league blokes are going to be. What do you reckon tonight, Lambo? And um, obviously, I'm not in, I'm not involved in football anymore. So I'm a, if I wanted to bet on footy, I could, but I, I, I never I never have bet on footy. I don't I don't really enjoy it. I'll, I'll have a bet on the racehorses and all that every now and then. And um, and I said, well, I said Richmond will win, um, uh, and I said Dusty Martin's going for three norms in a row, which has never been done. I said, but. If anyone could do it, at this bloke, this bloke's a freak of nature. Right? So then I looked, I looked at the odds, and it was, I think Dusty was paying six fifty, um, and him, him and Dangerfield, I think, and I don't know the Tigers might have been dollar eighty or something like that. So I think it was about a twelve dollar multi, right? So I didn't, I didn't do nothing, right? But so all my mates who they, they love the punt, right? So they're all, they're all mid fifties and all that. So as the game evolved, and that third quarter when, when Dusty started to come to life and all that, and you could sense that maybe. Dusty could win his third norm. Well, I guess in the last quarter, right? So, you get in the last, and literally, literally there's there's a hundred people, and ninety of them are all rugby league, and there's ten of us that are all AFL, right? And when he kicked that last goal, and they all knew he was going to win the norm, they're just erupted. So every one of them have, have put a multi on Dusty <laughs> and Richmond to win. So, oh, and and my last twenty dollars, right? I've had two bets at Launceston, and they've come last, both of them. <laughs> So that's but, why I don't bet on footy. Surely they showed you a couple of beers, though. Yeah, they gave me a couple of beers, so that was okay. But yeah, that, that's okay. just that just shows you a bit about my punting abilities. That here I am, I've tipped them all, and uh, haven't put twenty on the great man uh, and the tigers, and uh, they, 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 they all, I think they all they were pretty happy because um, they had no idea. They 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 they, they thought Richmond would win, but they, they said, "What's a Norm Smith?" I said, "Mate, if I've got to explain that, mate, I'm, oh. I'm not going to sit here." <laughs> So, but so mate, it's, uh, it's, it's been been great chatting. I said, uh, if you ever maybe you ever want me again, or if you ever want to try and, say, like I said, I'm always happy to introduce you to other other Richmond people if you if you want to sort of connect with them. That's fine. Fantastic. Oh, that, we'll yeah, that'd be fantastic. We'll take you up on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks uh, again so much for your time tonight, Greg. We really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully, Tigers can go for three in a row. That's it. Go Tigers, eh? Go the Tigers. Thank you so much. Bye.